Well, good morning. My name is Kyle. So glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. It's kind of full in here. Thanks for getting up close to your neighbor. Just go ahead and tell them hello if you don't know them since you're sitting by them, right? Go for it. All right. Good to see all the students up there. They all told me they're going to be like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed the whole time this morning. Two of them are waving at me. A couple of them are nodding off. It's going to be awesome. How many of y'all got sleep last night? More importantly, how many of y'all got sleep last night? For some of you, you're like, man, I went to bed, had my normal rhythm, everything's good. For some of us, we had a house full of students. Anybody have a house full of students last night? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you that served. Here's what I know after this weekend. Sixth grade girls smell way better than sixth grade boys. That's what I know. We had a house full of sixth grade girls. They were awesome. I have one sixth grade boy, and I'm just telling you, anyway, it worked out better on our end to have them in our home, and it's just really, really cool. Hey, um, game, go back in your mind to when you were kids. Anybody remember Simon Says? Kind of a strange game. I don't know where it came from, but it's one of those games, anybody, anytime anybody said, hey, you want to play Simon Says, everybody jumped in. Everybody's like, yeah, let's play. You know, let's go for it. And so the deal is, if Simon says it, you have to do it. If Simon doesn't say it, you don't have to do it. It's kind of the way that it works. If only, if only we would listen and obey authority as well as we did when we played Simon Says, how much of a difference would that make? Think about it. If kids obeyed their parents the way we obey Simon, would things be a little bit better? All the parents in the room are like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. What if we grown-ups obeyed our bosses the way we're supposed to? Would things be a little bit better? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute, right? What if we just went there? So Simon, I got to think about Simon Says, and I really don't know where the game came from. I did a little bit of research. It's kind of, you know, mystery as to where it really came from. But think about it for a moment. We don't even know who Simon is. And we do what he says. The person who's playing Simon is not even Simon. In fact, they were either a teacher appointed or self-appointed, right? I'm going to be Simon Says, right? Whatever I say, you got to do if I say Simon Says. What if, what if those of us who say we believe in Jesus obeyed him the way we would obey if we were playing Simon Says? What a game changer that would be. We're in week two of this series called He Moves, We Moves. We're going to talk about two huge words this morning, follow me. And we want to look at John chapter 21 this morning. It's going to come on the screen for you. We encourage you to open your Bibles. If you need a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you, page 902, John chapter 21. So here's the deal. If you by chance are a person that has believed in Jesus and you have struggled to obey Jesus, Maybe you have blown it big time. Maybe it's so big that you're wondering if he's done with you yet. Today's message is for you. John chapter 21, beginning in verse number 1. Later, Jesus appeared appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Let's pause here for just a moment. Make sure we kind of know where we are in the story, because if you don't know much about the story, you're going to miss this. So we're at the end of the Gospel of John. In case you don't know, Matthew... Mark, Luke, and John are telling us stories of the life and the ministry and the acts of Jesus. So we're at the end of the book, so we're kind of at the end of the story, if you will, of Jesus' time here on earth. He has recently, just prior to what we're reading, gone through a horrible death on the cross and came back from the dead. And now he is choosing at times that he deems appropriate 
to appear and to interact with his disciples. He's not hanging out with them every day. He's only met with them a couple of times since he has come back from the dead. So the disciples have met with Jesus. Jesus told them to go to Galilee. So they listened to him and they went to Galilee and they're there kind of waiting, wondering what's happening. Wondering what's going to happen next. You ever have one of those moments in life where you're like, I'm ready, but it's not happening yet? Come on, let's get this thing rolling. Come on, let's get this train out of the station. Like, let's get something going on. The disciples are just waiting. They are hopeful, but probably all discouraged because things aren't really looking the way they thought they would look. And that's where we are in this story. So chapter 21, verse 1, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Verse 2. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, remember that name? Go ahead and say Simon Peter. Balcony, say Simon Peter. More than four of you in the balcony. Like, go for it. Wake your neighbor up. Balcony, go for it. Come on. Y'all are not moving at all. I told y'all I may come up there. All right. Say Simon Peter up in the balcony. All right, there we go. All right, y'all with us. All right. We're going to talk about him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples, one of which we know for sure is John, who is writing this story because later he tells us he's there. Okay? So we got these guys. Verse 3. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. So <clears throat> here's the deal. They're a little bit discouraged. Things didn't work out the way they thought they would. They have kind of been following Jesus every day, and now Jesus isn't there every day, and they don't know what to do next. Jesus, again, listen to me, has just died on the cross and came back from the dead. Now, if you're not careful, or you're not paying attention, or you've heard this story so many times that you've potentially become unwowed with it, I think I made that word up, unwowed with it, You've missed what I've just said. Because what I've just said, and it's not about me saying it, it's about what I've said. What I've just said is the biggest deal ever in the history of all time. Listen to what I said. Don't miss it. Jesus died on the cross, listen, and came back from the dead. Okay? Thank you, crowd. Amen. All right, get excited. If you're not careful, you just hear that and... This is it. I told you last week, if Jesus dying on the cross and coming back from the dead is not enough for you to follow him, there's not enough for you to follow him. That is our greatest call, is what he's accomplished for us. And here's Jesus. Now, when Simon says something, we do it. I don't know who Simon is, but I know who Jesus is. And listen to who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He came here to this earth by way of being born of a virgin. Wrap your head around that. He lived here amongst people like you and I, messed up people, and he did it perfectly. He allowed himself to hang on a cross, suffering, bleeding, dying there for my sin, your sin, Peter's sin, their sin, your sin, their sin, everybody's sin. And then he came back from the Dead. And if that does not stir your heart, if that does not move you, if that does not cause you to listen to the words and the call of Jesus, nothing will. That's what he does. And Jesus now is not speaking on some teacher's authority or self-appointed authority, 
but divine authority and resurrection authority. So when Jesus speaks, we best listen because this is the resurrected Savior. Look at verse number three again. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now, for quite a while, I kind of think I, I thought that I knew why I went fishing. I really don't know why, what caused him to go fishing. I could give you some ideas. You could say, well, Peter was just so discouraged. He decided, you know what, I'm just going to go back to doing what I used to do for a living and forget this. I'm going fishing. You could go with that. You could just say Peter was like, I don't know what to do next, so i got to do something, so I'm going fishing. You could say Peter just needed to clear his head, so he wanted to go do something that he enjoyed. And he just said, I'm going fishing. But here's what, where he's at. Things have not gone the way he thought they would go. Things have not played out the way they thought they would play out. In fact, the last time Peter had an interaction, a real good interaction with Jesus before his death, was Peter saying to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I am with you till the end. I will die for you if it's necessary. No way would I ever do anything crazy like denying you before other people. And yet, what did Peter do before Jesus died? He denied Jesus. He said, I don't know him. He didn't do it once. He didn't do it twice. He did it three times. Can you imagine someone standing up in this crowd right now that we know, say they're a part of our church and they believed in Jesus and they said, hey, I just got something I want to say. I want to stand up and I just want to say, I don't even know Jesus. I don't know who he is. I'm not with him anymore. Can you imagine? What? 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 what, are you, what, what? And here's Peter spent every day with Jesus. Somebody said, hey, are you with Jesus? He's like, no, I'm not with Jesus. Next person comes along, hey, you're the one of those guys that follows Jesus. No, I don't, I don't even know him. Hey, you're one of those followers of Jesus. you got the wrong guy. It's not me. i got a lookalike out there. i got a doppelganger. It's not me. It's not me. Three times does he say, I don't know Jesus. So I don't really know why Peter went fishing. And I don't know what you do when things don't really go your way. When God doesn't show up when you want him to show up. When somebody disappoints you or when you disappoint somebody else. When circumstances go sideways. But we all do something when things don't go our way. Am I right? Now, some things are okay to do, and if it's just to go clear your head, maybe you need to say, I'm going fishing. Maybe that's your thing. But maybe it just kind of keeps going from there. And maybe you, you start thinking about different things that you might do. Maybe, you know, something happens, you're like, I'm going home. Like, I just want to be away from this. I want to go to my safe place. I want to be there, and I want to be comfortable, and I just want to, I want to be there. Maybe like, you know what? I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of wore out. I'm kind of stressed out. Best thing for me to do right now is do something I love. I want to go play video games, or I want to get on social media. And you'd be like, that's kind of silly. People do it all the time to escape. Maybe you take a deeper dive than that, and you're like, you know what? She didn't do what I thought she would do. I am calling the divorce lawyer today. Or maybe, you know what? I think I'll just, I think I'll just, I think I'll just slip back into this addiction. I think that's where I'll land. When things don't go your way, and they won't a lot of time, everybody say amen. amen. Sometimes God won't show up when you think he ought to show up. It doesn't mean he's late. You just think he's late. You better be careful what you do in those moments. You better be careful with the decisions that you make. Here's what I do know, though. Jesus has got a plan, and he is going to meet you when and where he needs to meet you. Look what it goes on to say in verse 3. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught how much all night? Nothing. Nothing. These are professional fishermen. This is what they did for a vocation. This was their living. So here they are all night, cast Pool. They were fishing with nets. Cast, pull, a lot of work. Cast. 
Pull all night long. Well, that's not working. Let's check the depth finder. Let's go over here. Cast, pull, cast, pull. That's not working. Let's turn a fish finder on. Cast, pull. We know where the honey hole is. Nothing's worked yet, so we're going to the honey hole. We saved it for last because we're going to catch some fish tonight. It's going to be a good, good night. They go to the honey hole and nothing all night long. Can you imagine how frustrated they are? They're thinking our sponsors are going to give us up. Walmart on the side of the boat, everything. These are professional fishermen. They're frustrated. They were already discouraged. Now they're frustrated. You know, some words have been probably flying, some crossway stuff going on. Well, if you'd have thrown it a little bit sooner or, you know, whatever, and probably saying stuff about the weather and just everything they could complain about, they were probably complaining in this moment. I mean, you know what it is. You got your day off. You think you're going to catch fish and you don't. You, you, you talk to it, don't you? Yeah, you do. All right. So anyway, look here. Things get really, really interesting. Verse 4, at dawn, first thing in the morning, Jesus was standing on the beach. Now, just for a moment, I want you to put yourself there. You're fishing. You're in your boat. And Jesus is literally standing on the beach. That's where they're at. It goes on to say, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Now, I don't know if it's because they were too far. I don't know if it was a foggy morning. I don't know if it wasn't bright enough yet. But they didn't know for sure who was standing over there. And then, verse 5 he, Jesus, called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? I don't know if you've ever been fishing before. I'm not a big fisherman, but here's what I know. If you go fishing and you see somebody else that's been fishing, you just say, hey, you caught anything? And if they say yes, you say, where? Right? I mean, it's just normal dialogue. So he's just making some normal fisherman dialogue. Hey, you guys caught anything? No, they replied. Verse 6. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. Now, wait a minute. They don't know who he is yet. Who is this Yahoo on the beach telling us what to do? We are professional fishermen. Don't you see the logo on the side like we have it all together? And Jesus says, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Goes on to say, so they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Verse 7, then the disciple Jesus loved. Who is the disciple that Jesus loved? Well, in this case, it's John. He's the one writing. He refers to himself often as the disciple that Jesus loved. He considered himself to be the favorite. Let me go ahead and clue you in. You are God's favorite. You are the disciple that Jesus loves. Okay. John says about himself, well, the disciple that Jesus loves noticed him, and then he made this declaration, and it's a beautiful, great declaration. He said to Peter, okay, he said to Peter, remember that, Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, his jacket, if you will, for he'd stripped for work, kind of down to his T-shirt, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. A couple things here kind of strange to me that we need to point out. First of all, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to jump in the water, I'm going to leave my outer clothes off. I'm just going to do that because that's a lot more swimming that you have to do. I don't know if it was just kind of a cultural thing or if he was so beside himself, he didn't know what to do. Anyway, he threw his jacket on and he jumped in. But I want you to notice that he jumps in to swim to shore. Again, remember the last time that Peter really spoke to Jesus, really had a good interaction with Jesus. He said, I'll never deny you. He has denied him. And now here's the Lord. He's like, man, I'll do anything to get to Jesus. I need him desperately in my life. He is my hope and my salvation. I will do anything that I've got to do to get to him. What are you willing to do to get to Jesus? What are you willing to do to get to Jesus? Will you swim to shore to get to Jesus? Will you walk a mile to get to Jesus? 
Will you get some bruises on your knees to get to Jesus? Will you walk an aisle to get to Jesus? Will you wade through all the junk that's in your life and step away from it boldly, knowing that it's your comfort, knowing that it's your passion, knowing that it's your pleasure, and say, you know what, I'm going to leave all that to get to Jesus. And Peter says, I'm, 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 i got to get to Jesus. Forget this fishing business. i got to jump in, and i got to swim to shore. It goes on, verse number 8, The others stayed with the boat and pulled a loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore, which if you think about it in swimming terms, 100 yards, for those of us that don't swim every day, that's a pretty good little swim, especially with a big old coat on. Verse 8, uh, verse 9, excuse me. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. That's kind of a nice thing, right? Fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. Verse 10. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Let's just say they weighed a pound apiece. That's 153 pounds of fish. That's a lot of fish, wiggling and all that kind of stuff, and they got to get them to shore. They probably weighed more than that. Look now, verse number 12. Jesus says, now come have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him the question they all wanted to ask him, but here it is, who are you? For whatever reason, God during his ministry after coming back from the dead chose to kind of kind of not reveal himself as fully as what he did before. Uh, Mary, his mother, didn't recognize him. The, the disciples had struggles like figuring out who he was in this instance and in others. But ultimately, they knew the answer to the question. They knew it was the Lord. How did they know it was the Lord? How did they know it was the Lord? How do you know that it's Jesus? Well, for these guys, I can tell you how they knew. Because they had spent time with him. They had listened to him. They knew his voice. They knew how he functioned. They knew how he walked. They knew how he talked. They're like, you know what? My eyes are kind of struggling, but my heart is real right now, and I know that it's the Lord. Man, to have an encounter like that. Wow. Look on to verse number 13. You know what? Let's ask a question before we go to verse 13. Let me ask you, do, do you know who Jesus is? Do, do you recognize him? Is he your Lord? Look now to verse number 13. Then Jesus served them bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Don't miss that. Remember, if you're not careful, you kind of read these stories. whoop de doo Did you realize what we just read? Since he had been what? Can y'all get over that? Do we have to wait to Easter to like go, This is it for us, guys. If Jesus doesn't come back from the dead, there's no hope. If Jesus doesn't come back from the dead, there's no church. If Jesus doesn't come back from the dead, there's no salvation. If Jesus doesn't come back from the dead, I don't have forgiveness. You don't have forgiveness. If Jesus doesn't come back from the dead, we don't get to go to heaven. If Jesus doesn't come back from the dead, all is for naught. So I'm going to read that again. And church, we're not going to miss it this time. This was the third time since Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you. Verse 15. 
After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. So all the attention goes to Simon Peter. There's a bunch of guys. Jesus wants to have a conversation with him. Ask Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but I want to kind of backtrack just a little bit to last week, and, and we kind of give you a pattern, a pattern that we can see in our lives and that ought to be in our lives if we are a follower of Jesus. And lately in the life of Peter, he didn't really look like a follower of Jesus because what? He had denied him three times. In case you didn't know, denying Jesus is really not part of the plan of following Jesus. That's when you blow it. That's when you mess up. That's when you step out. That's when you go the wrong direction. That's when you make a really foolish, sinful, selfish decision. Am I the only one in the room that's made a foolish, sinful, selfish decision since I've been following Jesus, or am I the only one? Is it just me and Peter, or is there more people in the room where you're like, I believe in Jesus, and you're following Jesus, and something distracts you, something discourages you, something gets your attention, and you go over here. That's where Peter is right now, okay? That's where Peter is right now. These things are flipping and flopping, and we're going to talk about them just a minute. They got water everywhere. All right, I just made my notes go away. All right, there we go. I don't know where I'm at. I'm back in verse 3. Y'all mess me up. All right. Fish will do that sometimes. Here's the plan. Here's the pattern. If you didn't get it last week, I want you to write it down. If you wrote it down last week, I want you, I want you to write it down again. Here's, here's how it goes. Here's how it should look in our life as a follower of Jesus, okay? First words, listen. Okay, you got you to hear the voice of Jesus to know what Jesus wants you to do. Listen. Okay, everybody say listen. Okay, the second thing you've got to do that's just as important as listening is following through and obeying. Everybody say obey. Okay? And then the thing you do after that is the word repeat. You do it all over again. Everybody say repeat. repeat. Listen, obey, repeat. But this is not what Peter had been doing. He had heard Jesus, but lately he hadn't been obeying. Instead, he had been disobeying. Notice how this changes on the screen, how it looks completely different now. It wasn't listen, obey, and repeat. It's listen and disobey. What do you do when you blow it? What do you do when you disobey? What do you do when you step out? What do you do when you do something that's selfish and sinful? You repent. You don't repeat And that's where some of you are at right now. I come to church, I hear about Jesus, I go home, I do my thing, and then I do it all over again. That is not following Jesus. It's not listen, disobey, repeat. It's listen, and if you do disobey, it is repent. It is change directions. You know what? You know, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going back to the way that I was supposed to go. I'm going back to Jesus, and I'm going to experience his forgiveness and his restoration. It's listen, disobey, repent. And then you get back into listen, obey, Repeat. So maybe for you, you're in that disobey moment right now, and you're just doing it over, and you're doing it over, and you're doing it over, and you're feeling guilty, and you feel about this tall, and coming to church makes you feel even worse because you're like wondering if we're going to talk about that particular thing you're doing or not, and you just find yourself doing it over and over. Your your move today as a believer is to repent. It's to repent. Again, notice verse number 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are the these? I would argue that these are the fish. Well, that's kind of silly. Well, let me ask you, what are your these? Ask yourself the question, what are my these? What is it right now that God is asking me if I love him more than fill in the blank? What are my these? 
What is it that I am finding my hope and passion for life in right now other than Jesus? And Jesus poses this very direct question to Peter. And he says, what or do you, excuse me, do you love me more than these? What do you need to decide between? What is it that you are loving more than Jesus. So my fish are kind of struggling. I don't know if you can tell those are fish in there because some of them aren't moving. They flopped a minute ago. Uh, I bought these last night and they were doing really good until I brought them to first service. It's almost like they came to church and they went to sleep. I don't know what's up with that. <clears throat> anyway, but you're like, why do we have fish up there? That's just, that's just kind of silly. Well, it's possible that the thing that you're loving Jesus more than, okay, you're loving it more than Jesus, maybe, just maybe, it's just as silly as these fish. And maybe, just maybe, the thing that you're loving more than Jesus is going to last about as long as these fish. And you need to find your hope in the resurrected Savior who will never, ever cease to be. You need an everlasting hope, and his name is Jesus. So what is it? What are your these that you are loving more than Jesus, that he is calling you away from? Look on now, the rest of verse 15. Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, or you could use the word sheep here, Jesus told him. So we start getting this language of lambs, sheep. Um, in case you don't know, Jesus uses this term as a term of affection and also for us a term to understand who we are as the church. If we're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says that we are sheep. Sheep are followers. It's not a diss on us. It's a beautiful thing, and it's an obligation that we have. It's who we are. We are followers of Jesus. He's going to continue to talk to Peter, who just so happens to be one of the sheep who has been called up into a different role of being a shepherd, a spiritual leader. And whether you are a sheep or whether you are a spiritual leader, all of us follow the same shepherd, and his name is Jesus. We're all followers of Jesus. And notice it goes on, verse number 16. Jesus repeated the question. You love it when people do that, right? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, uh-oh. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You love it when people just wear you out with the same question over and over and over, right? You got kids? Oh, they're sitting up there. Yeah, same question over and over. I told you the first time. Told you the first time. Told you the first time. Look at what Peter does. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. It doesn't stop there. Look at verse number 18. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, prediction, promise, prophecy, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus is speaking into the future of Peter's life. If you study this thing out and you look at history and you see how it all works out, you realize that Jesus is actually predicting how Peter is going to die. When he says they're going to take you places that you don't want to go, guess where the place ultimately would take him that he didn't want to go? A cross. Peter ultimately would be crucified. That's not what anybody wants. Verse 19, Jesus said this to let him know 
by what kind of death he, Peter, would glorify God. Here's the deal. God is sometimes going to ask you to do things that are crazy, uncomfortable, maybe even painful. He's potentially going to put you in a place in which only he can get the glory. And that's where some of you are at right now, and it's not a fun spot. You're like, I don't like the way things are. I wish that they were different. And if you're following Jesus right now, you're recognizing maybe that God's got a purpose and a plan. You can't see the fulfillment of it yet, but you're right where you need to be. It's not great. It's not comfortable. Maybe it's painful, but God's like, I've got you there because the only person that can get glory out of the situation is me. And that's what he's doing with Peter. And then he speaks these two incredible, powerful words in verse number 19. Then Jesus told him these two words, saying with me, follow me. Saying with me, follow me. These two words may not jump off at the page at you, but you've got to understand. If you go back to the beginning of the Gospels, beginning of the book of Mark, and those other stories where Jesus comes along and starts his ministry, when he first encounters Peter and the other disciples, guess the first two words that he spoke to them when he called them. He said these two words, follow me. They were huge words. They were words of, hey, I got a plan for you. Come on with me. Hey, I want you to hang out with me. Come on with me. Hey, I've got a purpose for you. Come on with me. Hey, I've got things that I want you to accomplish that only you can accomplish. Follow me. It it was a word of hope. It was a word of purpose and of plan when Jesus called him to follow me. Now Jesus is coming back with the same call a few years later after Peter has blown it. And you know what Jesus is saying? I'm not done with you yet. I knew you when I met you and how bad and how messed up you were. I called you to follow me. I know how bad you've messed up since I've called you to follow me. And I'm still calling you to follow me. Some of you in this room think you have blown it too bad to follow Jesus and to do anything for him. And I'm telling you, you haven't blown it too bad. He's still saying to you and saying to me, follow me. And some of you are like, ah, this is for somebody else. Keep reading, verse 20. Peter turned around. Saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. That's John. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Let me show you what my kids do when we try to get to the bottom of things, all right? I'm going to show you. Y'all not catching that? Y'all are supposed to laugh just a little bit, or was that way too serious for you? Huh? Was that, was that too serious of a moment? You see the deflection? You see the redirection? Hey, that's enough about me. I don't want to be in a spotlight or anything. I don't want to steal all the glory. Let's talk about John over here. It wasn't me. Let's talk about him. You want to talk about what's going to happen to me? What, what about him, Lord? Some of you this morning, you think that I'm preaching to somebody else, and God is trying to speak to you this morning. This is for you. Do not miss these two massive words. This morning, it's not for Peter. It's not for your neighbor. It is for you. He says, what about him, Lord? Look what Jesus replies. Verse 22. If I want him, John, to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? None of your business. Don't worry about John. Forget about John. We ain't talking about John. We're talking about you. And notice what Jesus says. As for you, (laughs) back to here. As for you, what does he say? Say it with me. Follow me. Massive words. Jesus saying, Peter, you have blown it, and I know it, you know it, they know it, everybody else knows it. 
and I'm talking to you right now, I've still got a purpose for you. I've still got a plan for you. I've still got something for you to accomplish. I know that you've blown it, but I'm offering you forgiveness. I'm offering you restoration. I'm offering you, once again, the ability to follow me. Why could Jesus do that after Peter had blown it so bad? Catch it, because Jesus died for his sin and came back from the dead. And when Jesus speaks, that's just the way it is because he has the authority to do it. So when Jesus speaks over you that you're forgiven, guess what? You're forgiven. Why? Because he died for you and he came back from the dead and he can declare that over you. When he says, you know what, I want to save your marriage, Jesus can declare that over you because he has resurrection authority. Some of you have stopped short of experiencing everything God's got for you because, as I said last week, you have prayed a prayer, and that is a good thing. And you have believed in Jesus, and that is a good thing. And you have confessed your sin 10, 15 years ago, and that is a good thing. And you are going to heaven, and that is a good thing. But you're missing out on the resurrection power in your life right now because you're not willing to hear his call for you when he says, follow me. God has something amazing for you to accomplish. I don't know what it's going to look like, and it's probably not going to look the way you think it's going to look. But it's going to bring him glory. And he has this for you. These are words of belief and words of restoration. This is words for Peter saying, I know you denied me, but I'm not done with you yet. I still believe in you and still died for you. So here's what I think this morning. I think that um, there's, there's a por- portion of you this morning that need to hear and experience this next thing I'm about to say. And then there's a portion of you that need to hear and experience this next, next thing I'm going to say. Okay? Because they're both massive and they need to be true in your life. You need to experience them in your life. First, belief in the risen Savior changes everything. If you are a saved person whose sins have been forgiven, you have been made righteous by Jesus, you are going to heaven one day, not because of the things that you have done, but because of the grace of God. Can you like, "Uh uh-huh, amen, yeah, something to say, belief in the risen Savior changes everything. Can you agree with that statement? Is that true? Okay, all right, it's true. It's true. It changes everything. It changes everything. For some of you, you have never believed in the risen Savior. You've given him mental assent. You've maybe come to church a few times or your whole life, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've never said, here I am, Jesus, all of me, all the ugly, all the sin. Cleanse me, forgive me, make me what you want me to be. I believe in you, change me. Let me tell you, he will change you, and he won't stop changing you. And for all the believers in the house, go ahead and say amen to that too. He won't stop changing you. For some of you this morning who are believers, God's working your heart right now. There's some stuff, like he's like, you need to work on this, and we need to get rid of that, and you need to repent of this, and he's doing that right now. I'm not doing that. He's doing that right now. Belief in the risen Savior changes everything. This is what some of you need to know and experience this morning. For some of you in the room, you need to know and experience this truth, and that is this. The risen Savior's belief in you changes everything. Wait a minute, what did you say? I thought, I thought coming to church is all about believing in Jesus. It is all about believing in Jesus, but if you really start reading the Scripture, you will understand that when Jesus calls you to follow him, that is him saying, I see something in you, something I want, something I want to cultivate, something I want to lead, something I want to bring to pass, something I want to accomplish in you and through you that only I can do through you, and I believe in you enough to say these two words, follow me. 
And those two words this morning, it's Jesus saying to me, Jesus saying to you, I don't care where you are right now, how bad you've messed up, how many things, times you think you've denied me, or how many times you think you've blown it, I still believe in you, and I am going to change everything when you realize that I believe in you and that I'm for you. What if every single person in this room that is a believer walked out of this morning and said, you know what, <laughs> Jesus believes in me. That's like language flip for you, right? I mean, I thought I was going to leave here today and say, I believe in Jesus. Great. I hope you do. I really, really do. But what if the believers in the room left here this morning and said, you know what? Jesus believes in me. What if we took it to John's level and we said, you know what? I'm, I'm Jesus' favorite. Some of y'all get nervous right now, right? Let me tell you why you get nervous. It's not because it's not true. It's because it is true. And you know that once you start believing this truth, it's going to really start changing your life, and that's what you're really nervous about. There's some stuff that you haven't decided whether you want to give up or not. Let me remind you, Jesus died on the cross for all that junk that you're trying to decide whether or not you want to get rid of or not. And he says, in spite of all that junk, I still believe in you. I want to cleanse you, and I want to use you. The risen Savior's belief in you changes everything. He's not done with you yet. He's not out of grace. He's not empty of mercy. He's still got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. So here's the big question that we have to ask ourselves at the end of all this whole thing, and that is, am I following? Am I following? Am I following? Am I listening to the voice of Jesus and obeying him and then doing that over? If it's to do the same thing again, I'll do the same thing again. If he wants to switch gears and ask me to do something else, I'll do something else because I'm his follower. Whatever he says goes. Forget Simon. We're talking about Jesus here. Are we following Jesus? When he speaks with resurrection authority, are we listening? It's the key to really living. Following Jesus. Am I following? What if this whole church really started following Jesus? This town would be like, what is going on down there? Other churches would be like, what is going on over there? Because here's what I'm convinced of, and I say this with all due respect for everybody in our community that's in church this morning. Here's what we know. There are churches full of people this morning who are not following Jesus. May we not be one of those churches. May we be one of those churches that we're following Jesus, that cause other churches to realize, oh, we can follow Jesus too. Am I following? Some next steps for you to consider as we wrap this up this morning. Maybe for you, you need to believe in Jesus as your Savior. You need to realize that Jesus died for you. All of your sin. All of it. All of it. That one. That one. That one that nobody else knows about. That one. That one that I don't think anybody else knows about. That one. That one that just practically almost ruined my life. That one. Believe in Jesus and he will bring forgiveness of your sins and he will make you his child forever. Maybe for you, it's to believe and know that Jesus believes in you. As a believer, someone who knows Jesus, knowing that Jesus gives this call to every one of his sheep to follow me. That's him saying to me, and that's him saying to you, I believe in you. I've got something planned for you. I'm not done with you yet. 
I've got forgiveness for you. I've got a new path for you. I've got a new plan for you. Know that Jesus believes in me. In just a moment, we're going to wrap up our time. I'm going to pray. And uh, after this prayer, we, we want you to experience Jesus this morning. Here's a really cool thing about Jesus. He is not limited to this time and space here right now. But I would say with all my heart that he is ever present in this time and in this space this morning. So what a great time for you to respond to and experience Jesus this morning. Maybe for you, you need to believe that Jesus died for your sin and that he needs to become your forgiver and your savior. He needs to become yours and you need to become his. We encourage you to move this morning. We encourage you to respond to Jesus this morning. Myself and other pastors will be up here. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you, help you any way that we can. Maybe for you this morning, you need to respond to the risen Savior. Maybe you need to quit getting over the truth that Jesus came back from the dead. You just need to keep stumbling over that again and again and again and not get over it, but just stay there in the resurrection power of Jesus, knowing that he believes in you, knowing that he's got a plan for you, knowing that he's got forgiveness available for you if you have blown it. He wants that for you. We want to invite you to Jesus. It's also going to be a great time to respond by way of giving. Jesus is a giver, so when we give, guess what we're doing? We're acting like Jesus. Guess what followers of Jesus do? They act like Jesus. So when you give today, whether it's uh, in the offering bucket or it's online, just know you're, you're acting like Jesus. You're being a follower of Jesus in that moment. We want to encourage you to worship. We're going to be singing a song, and we want you to know that, man, you can just, you can just sing and celebrate who Jesus is. If it's your first time here today, wow, thanks. We want you to come back. We want you to drop your communication card in the bucket. We'd love to connect with you because we are so glad that you are here. We want you to have what we have in Jesus. Let's stand. Let's pray.